Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Everybody and welcome back once again to Simpsons is Greater Than, a podcast that will talk to almost anyone about almost anything as long as it relates to the Simpsons. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, do me a personal favor as soon as you're done with this episode, slide over to either one of those things and check it out. And speaking of favors, do you like this podcast? Seriously. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you do, you, do you like it? Well, if you do and you want to do something nice for me, you can buy me a coffee by heading over to Kofi.com slash Bart of Darkness. That's K-O-F-I.com slash Bart of Darkness. It would really mean a lot to me. I mean, seriously, I, I really like coffee, so that would be great. But anyway, this week is a great one as I am joined by someone who needs no introduction whatsoever, and that is Nancy Cartwright, the voice of a character called... Um, uh, hold on, what was it? Um, oh yeah, Bart Simpson. She's the voice of Bart Simpson, as well as so many others, both on The Simpsons and otherwise. I mean, come on. We talk all about her new audiobook called I'm Still a Ten-Year-Old Boy, which is available exclusively on Audible. And we also talk about plenty of other Simpsons-related stuff. So I say, as usual, we just start it now. Episode 53. Let's go. Whoa, what's up? Oh my gosh, look at your background. That is the room. Dude. <laughs> you gotta be one of the biggest fans ever, Warren. Well, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna speak out of turn. I mean, I gotta be <laughs> up there, you know, I think. Um, there are people with bigger collections than mine, but I would argue that I probably have some of the rarest stuff. You, do you have bootleg stuff? So I do have some bootleg stuff, but if you, and you probably can't see it very well, but if you sort of see above where I'm pointing, there's my finger right there. Yeah. Those are the original prototypes for the Hamilton Presents dolls that were made in 1990. Oh, wow. So those are like the first ones, you know, the the hand-painted prototypes. And I've got a lot of stuff like that. I really seek out the, the rare special stuff, Okay. You know? But uh, there Do you, you have go. the talking Bart doll that was the prototype that flunked. So I don't have that one. I do have a pristine of the original one, like the big one that says "Au contraire, mon frère." I have that guy boxed, like in the original, like shipping box. Yeah, that's the one. That's what I'm talking about. That one is kind of cool. I went to my local Toys R Us, and I must have bought. I bought all of them. There were probably twenty, and they were ten <laughs> bucks each. Seriously, they're like 10 bucks each. And I'm like, I am so getting all of these. I'm sending these out for Christmas. My son was like two years old and my kids uh, would go to bed like at 7.30 at that, you know, he was two and she was about almost three. She was almost four. And um, 
they didn't know for me being Bart Simpson. They didn't like me doing, you know, that wasn't part of the deal as mommy. I just was mommy for them and didn't, I tried to entertain him once. It went over abysmally. It was, no, mommy, no, mommy, please just be mommy. <laughs> That's super But funny. um, I gave him that Bart doll and he pulled the string. And the reason why they didn't make any more and they didn't do Lisa or Marjorie Homer is because the string was a little too short, Warren. And it yep. was like, don't have a gown, man. Don't have a gown, man. Eat my shorts. It was yep. like Bart on helium. And Yeah. And I'll tell you the worst thing. So I know exactly that's Dandy, which is actually my favorite. Yes. It's actually my favorite company that ever made Simpson stuff because a lot of it was very ugly and in a way that I appreciate, like they made the uh, flat face dolls, which I think are fantastic. And, uh, I think the reason that they, you know, like you're saying is they didn't give you a way to change the batteries in those dolls. So once, once they died, you, ha- I mean, they were, they were done and like you're saying, a lot of times they, they talk too fast or the string would recoil too fast. And, uh, cause there were plans to, there, there actually is a Homer prototype and I know the guy who owns it and Dan recorded lines for it, but they never made it because same thing. Um, pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Oh, wow. That's, that's wild. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, well, we've done some pretty crazy things over the years. They did, they had a Bart bread. Oh yeah. Cereals, you know, with us. As far as uh, the voices and stuff, they think it had talking toothbrushes. Oh, yeah. Pizza cutters. Dude, <laughs> is this a whole – is it a wing in your house or just so, a room? So th- there's a room in my house. Uh, my wife is smart to force me to keep it in one room because otherwise it would take over the house. Arguably, this room is full. Like I'm already – I do have some stuff in storage. Um, I've been collecting for almost 10 years. Um And that's sort of, you know, like the reason that I even started this podcast and the reason uh, that I, you know, I have an Instagram, which is where I post my collection. That is sort of what snowballed the collection because my collection used to like fit under my bed. And then I started sharing it and people liked it. And so I was like, well, I need more stuff. So I kept buying and kept buying. And so 10 years later, you know, I'm almost like a, I, I guess you could call me a Simpsons historian in terms of the merchandise um, and, and all that. you sell any of it? Do people make you offers and you sell? I, sometimes, I will say because my following has grown, um, sometimes I do, if I see a good deal on stuff that I know is, is valuable, you know, I'll, I'll buy it and maybe sell it for a small profit. Yeah. Or I, I do sort of, you know, people come to me a lot and ask me questions like how, you know, do you know wh- what year this was made? Do you know, like if this is rare and I have a pretty vast knowledge of that. I don't know everything, but you know, I got a, I got some, I, I've done, I've done my research. To, I'll put it that way. Cool. Well, I have to <laughs> say, I really admire what you've done. I don't have, I have a modest collection of animation cells. That's mm. what I like. And you know, I think it was in 2000, I'm trying to think when we went digital, uh, maybe it was, I'm I believe it was 2008. I think it was in the middle of season 20. I, I think that's when, well, I'll put it this way. In the middle of season 20 is when things went HD. I think they actually stopped hand painting cells in season 13. So that would like have been said, what? Okay. Season 13 would have been 2005? Uh, five or six, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. I yeah. mean, when they did it, nobody told me that they were doing that. And I remember going in to do a ADR, you know, post pickups and and an ADR. And I remember looking at the big monitor that they had there i'm like whoa something's different here what nancy 
I said, no, these colors, these are amazing. Wow, what's happened? Well, we've gone digital. I'm like, oh my gosh. Because, you know, because I stopped doing the hand-painted stuff, all the stuff that we'd gotten prior to that was all of a sudden increased in value. And I had a a nice collection. I still do. And when I do, when I'm at home in my conference room, you'll see behind me um, some of my favorite ones. And they're kind of all, they're they're stationed around uh, around my property in different spots. But um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I really, I really treasure those. I've got some pretty cool ones, even... Not Simpsons related, some original like Walt, um, Mickey Mouse and Pin- uh, Pinocchio. And I've got, um, what's this from? Dun, 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 dun. Oh do you remember God. that? I do. Why, why can my brain not conjure? That's, um, dun, 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 dum, dum, dum. Uh, Barbara Eden. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Bewitched. Yeah. You get from the, from no, the no. intro. It's not Bewitched. No. Oh, I Dream of Genie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Signed by Barbara Eden. And that's pretty cool because I was such a fan of that. That's cool. And I've got a Chuck Jones. I worked with him on the very last show that he ever did. He was in his 90s and just like still such a ladies man and um, really fun to work with. And he gave me this beautiful cell and signed it. And just like I treasure that. And just sweet. I've got some pretty cool stuff, but I actually, as a kid, uh, used to watch a lot of Nick at night and I had the biggest crush on Barbara Eden. So I find that very cool. <laughs> yeah. I still get that. I still yeah, get that. Beautiful. Uh, well, Nancy, obviously it means a lot that you're taking the time to come on before, you know, we actually sort of like get into to questions or whatever. Do you have any questions for me or anything? I mean, obviously I'm going to talk about the book, uh, we'll talk about Bart. We'll do all that cool stuff. Is there anything? Well, yeah, sure. Like when did, when did you start watching it? Were you allowed to watch it as a kid? So I will say, uh, I've made this joke on the podcast before that I had the added benefit of, um, I had the added benefit of having a single mom in the sense that she worked a lot of nights and wasn't able to really monitor what we were watching. <laughs> and so, you know, I was born the same year. I was born 87. So right before I was born in January, 87, right before the shorts, you know, a few months. And, uh, so by the time I was like three or around the time the actual show premiered, my brother was a little bit or, yeah. uh, older. So we would, you know, he would watch it and I would watch it with him. And I don't, I don't vividly remember watching those early seasons, but there are photos of me wearing Bart pajamas you know, in like, <laughs> in like 91. Yeah. So I, wow. I've been there since the beginning. It was very big to me all through my childhood and into adulthood. So been with me my whole life. So it's pretty yeah. surreal uh, to be able to talk to you. I mean, I've been lucky on this podcast to have, you know, I've had Yardley on, I've had Al Jean on, I've had, I've had, you know, some Simpsons people on, but to say that it is crazy to me to get to speak to Bart, um, you know, and, <laughs> and with, with everything else you've done, you know, uh, is, is pretty great. So I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time sincerely. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. No, this is a pleasure. Thank you for having me. No, it'll, it'll, it'll be great. Well, so the way that I like to, you know, I guess we'll just ease on into it the way I like to start them officially. And, and this is a sincere question because, you know, the last couple of years have been weird for a lot of people with the pandemic. Sure. Uh, how are you? Well, me personally, physically, I'm in, I'm in great shape. Actually, I've never been in better shape. Um, during COVID, I kind of took advantage of 
the time and uh, put myself on a personal body regime and I lost 15 pounds and wow. I'm eating super, super healthy. I, I learned how to play pickleball and I love pickleball. <laughs> Even a, a, put a court in my yard and, you know, friends from the neighborhood come over and we play together. So that's cool. Um, you know, in terms of The Simpsons, we had the option to either stay at home and record the show from the comfort of our own homes, or else you can take the drive and, and go on into um, go on into the studio. For me, it's not that long of a drive. It's um, I don't I don't mind it at all. I put on a pump up the volume and the music and sing along and get there. And I, I once I arrive, I'm not seeing a lot of people. You see the people <laughs> at the gate. There's not a whole lot of action going on on the on this at the studio lot. But I like seeing the engineers and saying hi. And then everybody else is beside me on a Zoom, and they're from their homes. But I still like to take the trip, if only for the reason I'm not that great of an engineer <laughs> do it from my home. Same thing with the Rugrats. I'm on the Rugrats. I've been playing Chucky since 2003, I believe. Oh, and yeah. we took, I did it for a couple years, couple, three years, and we took a huge hiatus. And then suddenly they brought us back. That show, if you weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons, most of the kids kind of grew up with Chucky and the Rugrats. So Chucky, I like Chucky. He's kind of, he's sort of an easy voice to do. Could I do that voice? Because Bart is like down here and it's simple. It's just a pure, clean, just slightly tight here voice. But Chucky has got like, he's got so many problems. He's got adenoidal problems <laughs> and like breathing and allergies. And, you know, it's a little bit, I'm a, I don't like clowns. I don't like, anyway, you get the idea. But, um, you know, it's an adjustment, I think, for everybody. And I'm, I think I'm, I'm making do, uh, as be how I can, you know? You sound like, you sound like you're doing great. And I will say, you know, in a, in addition to watching The Simpsons, I also, you know, watched a lot of Rugrats. And as a, you know, a chubby redheaded kid, uh, Chucky was, uh, you know, I felt a kinship with him as a, as a child. Oh, so okay. I can definitely get into that. And you're not the first person to recommend pickleball. I've got a buddy that's been really pushing me to get into pickleball. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I might take that advice and, uh, and sort of get into a little pickleball situation. That sounds good. You, you know what? You can play singles or you can play doubles. I learned by playing singles because my neighbor who has a tennis court taped out a pickleball court on her tennis court. And she taught me how to play in April of 2020. So I would go over there and play and play. And I loved it. So by a year later, I loved it so much. That's when I decided to put in my own court. So now she comes, she comes to me. That's so you can play singles, singles, you get a really good aerobic workout. It's ch more challenging, I think, because you are running all over the place, but it's like tennis in that way. You're running all over the place. Doubles has got, it's kind of a game of its own. The rules are slightly different. Um, but that is fun too, because you're up closer to the net and you're ding, 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 and you're just like dinking the ball across. That's really fun. <laughs> so have a ball. Let me know when you yeah, want to play. I, I love that. Yeah. Listeners, if you play pickleball, uh, you know, shoot to the email. And uh, or the DM and let me know if you're playing pickleball. I'm trying to get into pickleball. <laughs> Nancy has finally inspired me to to get into pickleball. Sorry, sorry, Cronin, my buddy, has been pushing it. So I'm going to take that leap into pickleball. Well, 
now that now that we're here, you know, I do want to to jump into the book a little bit, which is the main reason. Uh, well, one of many reasons, Nancy. I mean, obviously, we're here to talk all about the Simpsons and you and Bart and everything. But you just did a new book uh, for Audible exclusively. I'm still a ten year old boy. I listened to the book. I loved it. It was a blast. What was it like to not only work on another book about? you know, your, your life working on the show and all that, but one in this format, how was that for you? So when you say another book, you're referring to the one I did in 2000. Yes. My life as a 10 year old boy. Yeah, that's right. So 20 years has gone by and we've done so much in 20 years. And I thought it warranted another, another edition. And in fact, about 70 to 75% of it is new material. I get kind of personal. I get a, a lot more personal and talk about my family, um, talk about my mom a little bit more in depth. Um, another brother that ran into some problems who now is actually doing amazing, wow. kind of saved his life and, and saved his marriage. And people can find out about that um, when they get the book. It's hopefully it'll be... Um, Hopefully it'll be inspirational to others who have a similar situation, you know, and you can listen to that in the book, not to give it all away on your show, but, um, <laughs> right. Um, I also talk about getting a star on Hollywood Boulevard and we played, oh, come on, the Hollywood Bowl. Come on. And I talk about that, what that's like. Oh, and we've got, I've got clips. I've got clips in there of, I don't know, eight or 10 celebrities from like, uh, Meryl Streep, JK Simmons, um, Kirk Douglas. Mickey Rooney, 50 Cent. I talk about 50 Cent and Hathaway. And I've got clips not only of Dan and Julian Yardley, but it's like of these guest stars of when, like Meryl Streep, when she was playing Jessica Lovejoy. Oh, yeah. And she gave me permission. So kind, so kind, so gracious. She was amazing to work with. As I go into detail on that, and also I touch a little bit on Phil Hartman, that that's that's a touching chapter. And oh, yeah. then I pop you right out of that and then talk about some other guys. Like in the other book, the, the, the technical mechanics of how the show is done, how the casting is done, how the writing is done. But more personal stuff, I also get into um, things that I'm doing today. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I gotta say, you know, that was the thing that I noticed right away is is it does get very personal. You know, it's a very um, it's very compelling in that way because it's not, you know, it's not only perfect for fans of The Simpsons or just fans of you in general, but you know, it, it is a story about finding your voice, finding your passion. Um, how important was it for you to spotlight that aspect of your story? You know, it was actually very important because after being on the show for 32 plus years, um, and I've been in the industry for 42 years, uh, I feel like, um, at this point in my life, my, my dreams and aspirations, they, they change. They change all along the way. Like somebody, their, their goal is to get, to get a job working at, you know, working at a radio station. And then from there, it's like, wow, then I had another dream. I want to move and, you know, meet Dawes Butler, the voice of Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear and Quick Draw McGraw. And throughout our lives, artists maybe tend to do this a little bit more because a job isn't, it's kind of ephemeral. It's like they're, 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 they're fleeting. It's like you get a job and you do it and it's done. Like on camera, you leave the family. It's like you create a family and then it's gone. So an artist, when I'm talking to 
actors specifically, but even painters. It's like you do the painting and then once you sign your name at the bottom, I mean, I've gotten to the point with my painting where I'm like, okay, I'm done. That's it. Sick, <laughs> gone. Now, now it's there for somebody to buy and they're going to, it's, they're going to provide a nice home for something, <laughs> something that I created, which if you try to look up Nancy Cartwright art, that art site is still in construction. I have so much to do on that site. Tons of art that I've created over the past five, six years and very, how do I say it? Um, very specific in my communications. There are collections, like there's a collection of freedom fighters and people from Gandhi to JFK to Anne Frank to um, Sword, Sojourner Truth to... Um, who else to, to just, just all these people who I really admire and respect. And I did portraits of them, but they're quite, they're quite unique, which is kind of redundant. They're unique. <laughs> I use the original, you'll appreciate this because I use the technique of animation, original animation by painting, doing the painting in reverse on the backside of acrylic. Not unlike what the animators did with film, celluloid. Yeah, I love that. So sort of also what people would do on signs, like, you know, like traditional sign painters when they paint on glass sometimes. They would do right. it on the reverse with gold leaf and all that. I love that. Yeah. And this technique, it goes back to like the Byzantine era, like the year 401 or something like the year 45, really, really long time ago. And then it died with the culture. That culture died out. Another one was created, died out with that one. Fast forward all these centuries to about the turn of last century and you go into early, late 1800s, early 1900s and proceed, just preceding Walt Disney. But Walt Disney really put it on the map. You know, he took animation and created, as we know, like this form of entertainment today that has just expanded into such a magnitude that and that Disney has documented so many of the great things that he has done. He's created, he established, Disney established many tools that we still use today. You know, like the storyboard. Yeah. He did that. Um, which is amazing, uh, in terms of writing. So that's how my painting is done. I, I, I use either a picture or a photograph or clip art and, I put it on paper if I, I do original stuff on paper and then I will do the more, I don't, I don't go into a lot of detail on what it is that I am, uh, creating. I do kind of a basic sort of a thing. Then when I go in with the paints and acrylic, um, markers, that's when I get really, really detailed work so that when you, as you're, as I'm layering one layer of paint on in reverse so that when you flip it, you can then, it's kind of shocking to see the difference in what it looks like on the back and then what you will see on your wall. Yeah, it looks, anyway, it looks really so fun. different. It looks so different. It is very cool. Yeah. You know, I, I make the reference to sign painting and stuff. I have a friend who's been on the podcast, Alex Mayhews. I'm sure everyone listening is familiar with her work. Incredible sign painter from the UK. And she does a lot of, you know, painting on glass reverse like that. I love that technique. Looks very, very oh. cool when you do that. Look, dude, I've got some right here, actually. Oh, look at that. What one looks like. Okay. 
So oh, this yeah. little gal, this was like one of the first ones that I did. So there she is, right? You ready? Look at that. Yeah. This was inspired by Picasso. Bam. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's night and day. I mean, you could never tell what that's going to look like from the other side. I love that. That's that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's hanging on your wall, you're not going to be able to show people the backside of it. But right. um, yeah, you know, that's a thing. You had asked me earlier. It's like at this time in my life, I get the I get the privilege of being able to choose a little bit more. I get to be more selective about what it is that I want to do. And if doing a book like I'm still a ten year old boy or doing a master class or painting or something can inspire people. That's kind of where I'm at right now. It's a beautiful and, thing. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, there's it's I'm having a good time. No, see, I think it's really I think it's really great. Um, but let's talk a little bit about voices, Nancy. How how you feel about that? Sure, sure. So you do a lot of voices on The Simpsons and otherwise. We all know that, but how does your relationship to Bart differ from some of the other voices that you do? Like, would you say, you know, voicing him for 35 years, is there some sort of connection you feel to that character that you may not feel to some of the other ones? You know what? Bart's got my heart. He was the first guy. And when I went in for that audition, I didn't have any doubt in my mind that once I decided I wanted to do Bart, because I went in for Lisa, but I decided to do Bart, I had one voice choice and that's all I gave them. There was no... There was no, here's another idea. Um, this is another thought. And then I give a whole second idea. And that's typically what I've been doing for about eight years or so, you know, eight, 10 years. And uh, I would give them options because you want to show your versatility. But with Bart, it was just his sound, blah, 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 Matt Groening, bam. Oh my God, that's him. You got the part. And that was it. Cast right on the spot. It's really crazy. Because he differs because he's so easy to do. He's like so simple. But if I slip into Nelson Muntz, that's a whole that's a whole other ballgame, people. He he's only he's only been featured in a handful of shows. I'm not so sure that I, I don't think it's because they, they're concerned about my pipes. Not so much that as he's a secondary character. And but when he's featured, it's like I love him. I love oh, yeah. his character arc. I love singing. Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. I love Nelson. I love Nelson and I love how different. I love, him. I love how different those voices truly are. I mean, another thing about the book that I really enjoyed and, and you know, again, I'm not going to spoil much of the book, but you talk about your demo tape and you even play some of that. Uh, in the audio book. And I got to say that little song up top, Nancy, that's really something. I mean, that's really great. Uh, and hearing some of those that, voices. Oh yeah. I love the little intro from, song. From like Bonanza. Yeah. Dun, I love dun, dun, that. Dun, 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 so good. <laughs> Can you believe I did that? That was like my first one. And I can't believe that I could get all the words. It was pretty fast. And get, you never heard a word, never heard a word from Nancy Cartwright. <laughs> it's a perfect intro for that. And also, you know, it is interesting because the voices on that demo, very diverse. And you do hear a little bit of Bart in a couple of those. And I think you even make a joke about that. There's a, in the, I think in the kid with the IQ, I will say very close to Bart in some ways. And I really enjoy that. Um, so, so you, you know, I was going to ask you, you know, did it take a while to sort of feel like Bart or to sort of really feel his voice as a character? But it sounds like Bart was sort of just there from the moment you started. 
You know, it's, it's like, it's like a smart education in a way. It was such a learning experience for all of us. And it's like, if something is laid out, like step by step that you can follow along gradiently to, to understand it. Um, I think you do much better. Um, that was sort of like Bart was angry at the very beginning and it was an easy thing to address. Um, then when I heard after, after we did 40, I think 48 of those little bumpers, then I found out that they were going to be developing it into a half hour show. I was like, Oh wow, this is so cool. And I was told that Bart was probably going to be the star. And of course like, Oh God, this is fantastic. I love this. I love this idea. So when we started doing it and, and I touch on it, but not this, this is a good question. Cause I don't really touch on this in, in my book at all is like, I, we learned by doing it. And I thought, how are they going to excuse a pun, but flesh these guys out? How are they going to make them more real? How are they going to make them like, like a sitcom where we're in your living room once a week, you know, as these characters and how are they? Wow. And I was so, you know, it really wasn't, it wasn't until the first episode of the second season, Bart gets an F where the audience and we, and the, the cast and the whole show, the cast and crew of the show got to hear and feel this emotion from Bart Simpson for the first time. And when I'm talking about emotion, I mean, he was trying so hard to pass this test and an opportunity came up for him to even study more. And he kind of goof, he you know, tried his best, but you know, he, he, he ends up flunking. He flunks the fourth grade and he's devastated and he cries to Mrs. Krabappel. And I love that moment. Oh yeah. I love that moment in the show. And we, they did a, they did a screening of that. It, once upon a time, they, they stopped doing it. No, that's not true. Cause we do the season premieres. We just don't do them on the lot. This was on the lot. Mm. It was on a soundstage and we were all invited there. They had food. They had crusty burgers. They had, slur- <laughs> you know, slurpy, uh, squishies anyway. And we all saw that show. That was, um, that was, uh, monumental, I think in our development. Oh yeah. I mean, so you know, I talk about this a lot on the show. I'm, you know, I'm a very emotional guy. I mean, The Simpsons, awesome. uh, I, maybe because I grew up with it, but The Simpsons does strike an emotional chord in me at times. Um, a lot of reads from, you know, Yardley as Lisa, you as Bart, uh, even Homer and Mar- I mean, this, I think the show does a very good job uh, of, of conveying that emotion in those characters. Uh, and I think you do that as Bart super well. I mean, there are multiple Bart moments that that really get to me. And I'm curious to know, uh, as you found the voice of that character, are there any yeah. moments that stand out to you that, that, you know, sort of maybe got to you as you were recording them or you felt the emotion and yeah. it sort of got to you in real life? Yeah. Um, there was another episode, uh, where Bart, Bart's hanging with Nelson and Nelson changes the focus on a gun and yep. he's teaching him how to shoot a gun, a, a like a BB gun. And Bart takes aim and Nelson is encouraging him to shoot it. And I think Bart changes the aim because he doesn't want to kill the bird. And he fires it. He and tries. He kills the mother bird. He tries kills to miss her. it. Tries to miss the bird. He has this moment of honest uh, feeling and he doesn't want to hurt it. No, but I got to tell you, the support 
that we give each other when we're on the soundstage. And this is, Warren, I got to tell you, I am, I'm just putting it out there for the gods in the universe that love animation, that like we can, and, and, and that, that, that we can come back and I would love for us all to work together again. I miss, I miss everybody. And it was, it's a pleasure and to be there and listen to Dan do ad libbing. And when Dan and Hank do that, it's a show on its own to oh, witness yeah. that. And we have to button it up because we're live with our mics right there. We got to button it up. That is such a privilege. But likewise, when, whether it's a, sometimes it happens at the table read where it's not going to hurt anything. People will applaud because of a performance somebody does. And that is kind of a rare and special thing for an animated show. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, people know this on the podcast by now. I've I've flip-flopped a lot over the years about my favorite episode, but I do think I've narrowed it down. Uh, When I told Mike Scully this on the podcast, he thought I was just being nice to him, but it's sincere. I think Marge Be Not Proud is the best episode of The Simpsons. I truly do. And when when Bart gives that photo to Marge and she tells him, you know, Oh, my little bitty Barty. And she hugs him. Nancy, I I cry every single time I watch that episode. And the way that line is delivered, the way the whole episode is delivered, but just the way Bart says, I wanted to surprise you for Christmas kills me. (laughs) And I have to tell you that on this podcast, it is my favorite moment in the whole show. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Thank you. And Mike, I take it Mike wrote that episode. He did. He did. Based on yeah. his own childhood. People forget that. But Mike actually stole something oh. <laughs> as a you kid know, and inspired him. that episode. He, he's amazing. We stay in touch. I really, I just adore him. He was a, a terrific showrunner. He had a great sense of humor. He had the privilege of introducing us at the Walden Opera House. Wow. You know, in Aspen, Colorado, it was the Comedy Arts Festival there. And it was the first time that a, a guest of the festival was actually also given an award. And or maybe it was the opposite. It was the first time that a, an award recipient actually performed. And it was the first time that we as actors and the whole, not the whole group, but most of us actually flew in. We had a weekend. They'd just given us these awesome, like, varsity jackets for the Simpsons, these collector's items. Do you have one of those? I do. One! I do have one. I bought it from Alavadia. How did you get that? I bought it from Alavadia, who used to be the merchandising president for Fox. <laughs> uh, I bought it from him many years ago, and I have several of the original patches not put on Dude. the jacket. Okay. Bam, chalk one. You just went up in status in my book. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I impressed cool. I, guys. If you're listening to the podcast, I impressed Nancy just now with the fact that I own the jacket. So everybody <laughs> just make note of that. Okay. She's impressed. That's important to me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, so I want to tell you this, you know, we're talking about the book a lot. We're talking about all this stuff. Uh, one of the things you joked about that I found very funny is that you said you have a large head and you even said that you wear a seven and five Sorry, eights. Mom. Well, Nancy, I got to tell you, I also wear a seven and five eights. So if you ever <laughs> need someone to share a hat with, I've got you. <laughs> we'll share hats. We'll play pickleball. It'll be great. Okay. So if you need any hats, got I've got plenty. <laughs> I need your mailing address. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get it to you. So I've, I've had Yardley on the show a few times. Uh, I love Yardley. Shout out to Yardley. Um, 
so much love for her and appreciation for what she does. But yeah. uh, she told me that she remembers you being pretty confident early on uh, that the show would last a long time. You know, some people weren't so sure. Like, oh, you know, we probably got a few more years. And she seems to recall you saying something like, I think we might make it to 10 seasons or something along that line, she <laughs> told me. Uh, what is that true? And what made you feel that, you think? Well, when we, when we finally did get on the air, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any competition. We were the only one. And that's kind of like, is it which way is it going to go? I think the last time anything had been on primetime was years previous. It was the Flintstones. And that used to be on. And we, they had done 160, I think 167. And we were like at 168, we beat them. I could be off by one or two. I think, I think but you're we, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So we took off. I just think it was because of the novelty of the show. I think it was just so different. And by, I don't know when I said that, was it under five years? If it was under five years, um, I have to admit, I think I would be surprised that, that I would have been quite so confident under five. But once we, we were above five, it's like this show is, it's just so different. And in fact, it was, I think it was 19 years. It was, 19 years before there were enough show, enough animated shows on television to warrant a category with the Emmys. Wow. You know, Dan, Julie, Yardley, myself, Marsha Wallace, and, and, uh, um, Jackie Mason, we all got these Emmys, but we weren't voted on by our peers. We were actually gifted these by the, the board of governors of wow. the Emmys because they felt like we deserve to have an Emmy because there wasn't anything like us on television. And believe me, the ceremony, it was a secondary ceremony. It wasn't the big lights and, and all the paparazzi and the glitz and glamour and all the gift basketing that, that the celebrities get. <laughs> it was like at some hotel somewhere, it was a platform stage that they set up that I was afraid like to walk up the steps that it might fall apart. It was a modest, I'm being kind, it was a modest presentation, <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's like when you get the trophy and this isn't it, it's like the trophy and Emmy is an Emmy. It's the same thing. And it was such an honor, but it was another something like 19 years before there was enough competition to now. I mean, that is staggering. That's, that's quite a statistic. That's, that's quite a statistic. Um, I yeah, mean, I'm proud of that. I think it's, I, and, and I, I'm, I'm speaking for the producers. I'm not a producer on the show. I'm speaking for them. That's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. I mean, you you can, I mean, trust me, uh, as happy as I am to impress you with the jacket, I think you should brag about that even more than you do, probably. Oh, thanks. I don't <laughs> think I've ever said that before. Well, uh, I, guys, you heard it here first, yeah. okay? Um, well, I say it in the book. Okay, so I did say it. Okay, <laughs> so she said it She said it twice, everybody, but the, the but you're probably, you might be hearing it here first, so I still think that's pretty great. Um, so you go into a lot of detail uh, about, you know, recording. I mean, we're going back to Tracy Ullman now about recording in that first small room. And the first time you see everybody, you know, and you sort of recount your, uh, your first, you know, time seeing everybody record, which I think is really great. Yeah. I won't spoil that. Um, but I imagine it has to be pretty surreal. You know, we're talking about all the accomplishments of the show. It has to be pretty surreal to think about that in contrast to what the show would go on to do. I mean, I'm sure that's pretty nuts. Yeah. I mean, in the predictions, like the Simpsons made so many predictions along the way that Trump was going to be president. And I mean, the people ask me, like, how do they do that? You guys, I have no idea. That is just fluky. That is just, 
I don't know. I think they picked the craziest thing that they could think of in the future that could ever happen. And look how many of them came true. <laughs> Believe me, this is just as much a ride for me as it is for you, Warren, and all the great fans that you have out that are watching this podcast right now. It's, 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 it's been an incredible ride. I'm still loving it. It's still so much fun. When we do the, you know, the records, not quite, not nearly as fun, but I still crack up when I am there by myself. The writing to me is still, oh, I love yeah. it. And I think that is a tip of the hat to the writers, but it's also, you know, the fact that the showrunner, there's two, Al Jean and actually Matt Selman are now, they're, they're co-showrunners. They're keeping, they, they're so good as all the showrunners were as to keeping the initial intention of that show in place, the integrity, right? The standard, the high quality that it is. And I think without that kind of a, an outside and exterior kind of a, a, an, an ethics presence, if you will. It's like they're the, the police of what works and what doesn't work. <laughs> I think because they've had that in that that's why we're so successful. I, I have to agree. And you know, we, you know, we talk about Simpsons predictions and I've talked about that on this podcast before. I think the real answer, you know, is, is when you put that many smart people in a room, they're bound to hit a couple bullseyes on the dartboard. You know, I think it's just yeah. bound to happen, yeah. but sometimes, especially with the Tom Hanks one recently that I don't know if some of you have seen, uh, sometimes it is a bit eerie how spot on they are. Uh, very okay, strange. So wait, can you enlighten me? Like, so, so mean? there is there is an ad campaign coming out um, from the government with Tom Hanks, and in the movie, Tom Hanks made a joke that since the government had lost so much credibility, they were going to borrow some of his. <laughs> so that is. See, it's pretty incredible, and I think I think even Tom Hanks would probably get a good. I, I, who knows if he remembers the the parallel there? But uh, it's it's it, the fact that that was said in the movie, and the fact that it's it's just nuts. So you know, I'm maybe I'm coming around to the fact that maybe some of them are just fortune tellers, guys. I don't know. Hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so um, I, I'm lucky enough to have listeners on this podcast from all over the world. And, and I get emails from people, you know, that talk about their experience in different countries. I'd be curious to know how early into the show that you realized it was big in places outside of America. And what was it like for you to be such a, you know, to yeah. see Bart be such a character all over the world and not just, you know, locally or in America? Yeah. Wow. Another great question. You're such oh. a good moderator. Oh, come on. Thanks, Nancy. Everybody hear that? I'm going to play that twice. <laughs> no, <laughs> people tend to ask the same questions over and over. This is great. I'm trying to remember. I think, honestly, I'd taken a trip. I think I had taken a trip um, and I found some bootleg Bart. I, I venture to say it was Tijuana. I'm not kidding. I think it was Tijuana. And I saw- I, I think that, I think that makes sense. Yeah, and it was, and I brought it back thinking that Matt Groening, I, I said, oh, I'm going to get this for Matt Groening. And I did, I bought it. And he's like, oh, he loved it. He didn't have it and he loved it and he liked it. He Apparently he he likes to collect the bootleg stuff. Yeah. You know, they can't, I think it it's a sign of, of success of the Simpsons in that the legal department cannot keep up with how many illegal products that that are being put out <laughs> because they do try to like 
pull the plug on that and give them a cease and desist letter. And I don't think they can keep up with the amount of products that are being put out there. There's no way, especially back then. I mean, look at all the sports bootlegs that there were and just people selling them under bridges. I mean, how do you stay on top of that? You know, you know, I think you don't, I think you just keep putting out shows from my mouth to your ears, to your fans' face and ears, it's like, come on, we'll just keep doing this show. <laughs> I, I, I agree. So, yeah, you saw that and it really just made you realize, like, wow, people know this all over. Yeah. This, is, this is a crazy thing. And I mean, in the next 20 or 30 years, I continued to travel. And yeah, I was in Italy at one time and, and saw for myself on a, a little tour of, of where we were. I, I saw another one that was in Italian. I mean, we're in like something like a hundred and... Is it that right? Is it? No, it's like 80 countries, 60, 80 countries. More than that, maybe? It's like, it's worldwide. It's crazy. I I venture to say there's no one that isn't at least familiar with The Simpsons, even if they haven't seen it. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you, you hear people talk about how they you know, didn't really watch it growing up, but they know it existed. Yeah. They've, they've always been aware of it. And that's a true sign of like an iconic property. I mean, you know, it's like, I venture to say that down the line, the Simpsons will be as well remembered as Mickey Mouse or anything. You know, I think Bart will be right there with those iconic cartoons, if not more popular, you know, I, you know, sorry to say yeah. to some of them, but I think the Simpsons will, you know, it, it's on my Mount Rushmore of just all time comedy. So there you go. Cool. <laughs> I can't disagree with that. I mean, we've we've definitely left our footprint on on the sands of time, as they say. That's perfectly said. Well, let me ask <laughs> you this. So obviously I'm a collector and that is like a big part of what I do. Uh, in the early 90s, you know, you would see a lot of schools uh, that were like banning some of those early BART shirts and stuff, you know, the eat my shorts, the who the hell are you, uh, which is something you talk about in the book, which I also will. Well, I'm telling you, you guys got to listen to the book. Uh, you talk about uh, eat my shorts a little bit in that. Uh, how did that controversy in quotes uh, strike you at the time? Were you surprised that some parents didn't like those t-shirts? You know, it's such a personal thing. It's kind of like it either hits you or it doesn't hit you. And I don't care whatever they want to do. The advertisers, if they didn't want to do it because they thought it was just a little more than their the conservative um, sponsors could handle and they didn't want to, you know, support it, that's fine. Well, you know, it's down in history now. <laughs> All these years later, eat my shorts. <laughs> you know, I think that's actually the best answer. And I think, you know, at the time, that was sort of a badge of honor for some kids. Like being told to turn your shirt inside out sort of just made you look like a badass. So I don't think there's... <laughs> Just goes to show you, we all got a little Bart in us. You know uh, what I mean? I mean, you know, Nancy, w- one of the things that's so cool about talking to you on, on this show or just in general is, you know, I was sort of a troublemaker of a kid. You know, I, you know, I, I was a bit of a class clown and, you know, I think I speak on behalf of all class clowns that Bart was sort of our, you know, he was our measurement. Like he was a bit of a, a bit of an icon to us, even as kids, not because I don't actually think Bart is a bad kid, but he made you want to, you know, mess with your friends and mess with your teacher a little bit. And I I think, (laughs) you know, I think that there had been characters like, you know, you had Dennis the Menace and things like that, but Bart really had a quality that spoke to people my age that grew up with that. And, um, you know, I'm curious how you feel, you know, doing the voice of a character like that for so long. Did it give you an interesting perspective? Like, you know, what is it like, voicing a troublemaker 10 year old and doing that for so long. I know I sort of touched on that earlier, but did it give you an interesting perspective on, you know, a young boy? 
Yeah, that's an awesome, another awesome question. And it did. It did give me a perspective because some parents, I remember sitting at a, I was on a, uh, at a football game and there were uh, three women that were friends because they were talking amongst each other. And I couldn't help it over here because it was like a practice and it wasn't like a crowded, it wasn't crowded, but I overheard them talking. This was early, fairly early on talking about the show. And the one mother that had brought it up was saying, have you seen that show, The Simpsons? And I'm never going to let Jason see that show. And da, 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 da. And I couldn't help but kind of pipe in. And I said, you know, I, I couldn't help but overhear what you were saying. And, um, actually I'm Bart Simpson. And it just popped them out, popped them all out. Like, wait, what? And I said, yeah, no, you're kidding me. I said, no, I am. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. And I want you to know I've got a son. I have a son and I have a daughter. And I'm not encouraging them to be Bart Simpson. This show is an animated show. It's on television. And the purpose is for entertainment. It's not, you know, as a parent, it's like, this is my thought is that as a parent, you've got a job to do. You've got to take care of your kid for like 18 years, 17, 18 years, grow, help them grow up, right. give them some, give them some help along the way, set them in the right path. Kids are just like, kids will do anything without any control. But if you help guide them, this mother's like, she wasn't expecting to get a, like a lecture from Bart Simpson, <laughs> quote unquote. You know what I mean? Yeah. She actually ended up apologizing to me because it, it was a statement about her. It was more about her than it was about the show. I mean, come on, people. It's a cartoon. It's an animated show. Enjoy See? it. And, and not only that, but I will say, you know, we, we mentioned earlier, you were talking about Bart not wanting to shoot the bird, uh, you know, and Bart the mother. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes. I love that story arc for him. Um, I think... When you, when you watch the show and you grow with it, you do realize like Bart is complex. He's not just yeah. a little kid that likes to mess with his teacher and, and doesn't care about his schoolwork. He is, he is a lot of us. He is struggling because he is clearly intelligent and funny. And some of the stuff in school doesn't speak to his experience. He is, he is learning and growing uh, with the audience. And I think that that is why you know, Bart means something else. I say this about a lot of characters on the show, but Bart means something else to you as you grow and watch the show. So while it probably made me want to smart off to my teacher, the older I got, it also probably taught me empathy and some lessons that I still, cool. you know, hold value in. So I this think this is very rewarding. This is so incredibly rewarding to hear this. And, you know, people have written books about the philosophy of the Simpsons or whatever the book title is. And they, they teach they use the Simpsons in Sunday schools and they use them as examples to show the kids. And what a cool thing. What a cool thing to have that as part of the legacy that we've left behind, not only some entertainment, but, you know, to get some values from it also. It's not the purpose of the show. It happens to be a byproduct, I think, of the show. But what a cool thing to, to be able to have, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, we learn lessons from Lisa. We learn lessons from Marge. We learn lessons from from even Homer. I mean, Homer sure. uh, is, a, is, a, is a, a ball of clay. I mean, he becomes a lot of different things over the course of the show. Uh, yeah. So I do think that that is one of the reasons I... I have this podcast or one of the reasons I talk about the Simpsons so much or collect it or anything. I do think that there is something, there's a special quality to the show, which is something I've said, you know, ad nauseum on this podcast, but there's a special quality that is the reason it's still around. 
And it's yeah. because there is more to it than just funny jokes and funny, you know, background gags. There is some real value in the growth of the characters. Um, cool. So there you go. That's how I feel. Cool. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Well, let me let me stop getting sentimental and let me talk about merchandise a little bit because we got a couple more things here I want to do before I let you go. Um, as a collector, the merchandise is, you know, like I said, it's a big thing to me. What was that initial boom of the merchandise like? I mean, you talked about buying up those Bart dolls uh, and things like that, but what was it like to just see the merchandising juggernaut that the show was right away? Was that crazy for you? The only thing is that, I mean, I saw that a lot of stuff was coming out and I did notice that the standard of the products wasn't there at the beginning, there was not quite a standard. And then I think it took a little bit of time. Maybe I, I would be, I'd be wrong if I try to guess how long it took, but I think that it, that Matt Groening was, was probably the one in charge of making sure that the standard remained high because the color, the packaging, there is a look of the, it's like hot, you see hot pink and yellow and green seem to be the packaging for these, these colors. And then they also went to red, yellow, and blue. Those two color schemes really were effective. Um, I didn't care. I said, well, th it's not my show. They've hired me. I got a job. I got an awesome job. I don't really, if, if they use my voice score, you know, I, I get a little, I get a nickel, you know, but <laughs> other than that, it's not, it's not so much about that as it is keeping the standard, that quality that Matt as an executive producer on this show, creator of the show wants to keep it that high. So it's probably more of admiration than anything else is what I thought of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's the, the merchandising, uh, is, is a, a whole thing on its own. There's like, so it's so interesting to see the ups and downs and like when it was popular and when it was on the decline and when it came back. And, you know, like you said, the changes in the packaging, uh, everyone knows of this about me, but I'm such a sucker for that pink and green pack. I mean, I just, that is, <laughs> that is. Yeah. I love that packaging. I love the white Mattel packaging. I love anything where, you know, Bart had a green shirt on or a blue shirt. I love that early just, you know, they were figuring it out and I'm very into that, you know. Yeah, cool. um, but I think it's really cool to to see, you know, it's one of the most merchandised things of all time. So, you know, obviously you realize that, Nancy, but there's, you know, there's a lot of you in Bart. And so there's a lot of you in each and every one of those little Bart dolls. And that's, that's pretty interesting to think about. I mean, you're a part of that. Oh, believe me when I see a kid and I I'm in an elevator and a kid is trying to get on the elevator and the door's just shutting in front of him. And I see he's got a ball. Hey, don't have a cow, man. <gasps> <laughs> see, I'm saying all this to Nancy as I'm wearing a Bart hat, you know, I'm just like this, you know, this character that has been a, you know, a part of my life for 30 something years, I'm, I'm speaking to you. Um, and I had a similar experience with Yardley, which is really crazy. Dude, that is old hat. What year is that? This is from 94 um, by a company called American Needle. And if you look on He's the side. He's upside down, no? Yeah, he is. But his name is correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's cool. Dude, <laughs> I've never seen that before. It has a little slingshot on the side. Nice. And it's a snapback. So it fits our large heads, Nancy. There you so. go. Seven and five eights. <laughs> bam. Seven to five eights. Bam. I love it. Sorry, Mom. Um, so another thing that I want to touch on a little bit is you make it a point in the book um, to, to really highlight every part of the process. I mean, even down to like the sound design, which is a, yeah. a section that I really enjoyed. I found that extremely interesting. Um, 
as you were working on this book, was it always part of the plan to do that? Or did that sort of happen along the way? And you felt like that was something you needed to do? Yeah, when I had the idea, and by the way, it's the, it's the public that, that inspired me to do the book in the first place. This is the first book. Just too many people asking questions. And this was barely before we had, we didn't have the internet. This was in 2000. It was barely there, you know, just starting to come to be. But me going out and doing speaking events is just like, it reached a point where I thought, you know, I think 10 years in, I think I should write a book. And I sat down and just, I just wrote ideas for chapter headings. And I thought, I want this to be a complete book that gives the fans, the fans, the idea, the concept of what it takes to do this little 21 minute show. What does it take to do that? And people are shocked when they come to find out that some of those shows take eight months to produce. It's like, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. From the beginning of the idea of the pitch of the story to the approval of it, to writing the script, to doing the table read, to recording it, and then going into character development, to colors, to like getting guest stars to be on it, to post-production and figure out if there's music that adds even more time. Writing of the music, the recording of the music, the mixing of the two of the music, the sound and the picture. And it's, it, it takes such an incredible amount of time that I don't, I'm, I'm sure there, there are other books that have been written about it, but I thought this is a cool opportunity for, for me to do this from the voice of Bart Simpson. So that's what I did. And I included a lot of these stories. But again, I'm still a 10-year-old boy. Has has all that, but better. New and improved and voices that go along with it. And even the voice of my mentor, Dawes Butler, talking to 19-year-old Nancy Cartwright, giving me advice. And I don't sound like I sound to you right now. My confidence level, you can hear, you, you have to hear it to believe it. But it's like I'm, I I don't know who I am. <laughs> I, you know, was that me? <laughs> and I'm so amazed that you held on to that stuff. I mean, I think that's really great. I, you know, like I, I mentioned the demo tape earlier, and and how how much I enjoyed that. I loved hearing the messages uh, from Dawes, and and even you know just 19 yeah. year old Nancy talking. I love. You know, I love that people hold on to this sort of thing because, you know, fans, we want to hear that. And anyone listening to this that doesn't want to hear, you know, the voice of Bart tell her story. And, you know, like I said, a lot of Simpsons value. So you're going to learn a lot about Nancy, but also just the Simpsons process. Uh, if you tell me you don't want to hear that, you're just you're just lying. So it's so funny because when I when I go back in time and I do and I did save tapes and I did, did I saved. I don't know. I just had this ability. I saved a lot of date books, like organ, like what am I going to be doing for this? So to write that book, I went back in and I pulled out all of my, my, you know, a year date book. And I opened it up so that I knew that on March 17th, 1993, this is what we were doing. And oh, I remember that day and I could really write from that viewpoint, you know, so I kept things like that. And then coming across and saving tapes, something said, save this, save this. And I didn't know, Warren, that all these years later, you and I were going to be doing your podcast with you because of that show that you have, you know, that you have this incredible collection and now you've got a podcast to promote this thing. Um, 
I mean, and I, it's like I saved every Simpsons script and it's got all my notes in it. And that they, all the characters at the beginning, I had to use different colors to <laughs> highlight that. So I didn't get, if Bart is talking to Nelson and Ralph is in the scene too, that I don't get them mixed up. And I kind of stopped doing that. And man, and I found one day I got confused. Bam! That's, you know, I violated my own successful action there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's what I found to be. It just, I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm doing what I was destined to do, which is be here with you on your amazing podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, Nancy, I'm inclined to agree with you. You know, I, I got to say, you know, um, I actually started recording before uh, you joined the call because I almost left myself like a little note. You know, I was like, when I, when I started this collection, when I started this podcast, you know, I, I already had a couple of Simpsons connections and I had talked to some people here and there through the, because of the the collection. But if you would have told me that, you know, that this whole thing would have started and that I would have gotten to, you know, talk to people like Yardley and Al Jean and Mike Scully, and that that whole thing would come around to me getting these, you know, these stories from people like you, I wouldn't have believed it. So, you know, these kind of things like these, this history, those, those tapes, all of this stuff has a lot of value. And I think, you know, as a fan of, of just the Simpsons, but even of, of you getting to experience that through the stories and then get your take on it here. Uh, it's just a great experience. And I think all of you need to go listen to the book. I'll say that oh, again. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> That's great. Well, we're going to do something fun before we bounce. If you, if you're cool with that, and we're going to do a thing called the big three, it's three oh, questions no. that I ask oh, no. and they're not, they're not too hard. I think you'll enjoy okay. it. Um, and they're just to give me a little bit more, you know, of your experience on the show, what you like and don't like. Uh, okay. And I, I think you'll have fun with this. Tell, tell me your least favorite character and your favorite character. Either on The Simpsons or that you voice. I'll take either. Okay. Oh, gosh. And you can exclude Bart if you want. You're asking me, do I love my son better than my daughter? Do I love my grandson better than my granddaughter? <laughs> that is not fair. I mean, Bart's the easiest one to do. Nelson is the hardest one to do. Um, well, I don't know that he's my least favorite. I think he's he's another one that I do. I think I think he's funny. I'd, I'd like to see a bigger arc, a bigger character arc with the, ah, his, his database. Ah, there's a there's a meteor flying directly at me. He's kind of like all over the place. I kind of think I think he's related to Professor Frank, but mm. that's never been confirmed. Well, you know, Nancy, I think it's time that you write another script about that. <laughs> Something <laughs> to consider. Uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing I won't spoil from the book, um, Nancy talking about writing a script for the show, the first one. Um, and, and then that's another really good story. So I'm, I'm going to push for a database Frank connected story, just, <laughs> just something to consider Nancy. Um, oh. just something to think about. Um, what about favorite episodes? And I know that's pretty tough. So I'll even take three favorite moments, whichever one you got. I have like, I have, uh, I have several of them that stand out. Mostly they're the musicals. I love the Sherry Bobbins, the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I think that is so brilliant. The singing, you know, Yardley and I sing, Lisa and Bart sing this song and she starts out, but I don't think I do it. I don't know that. I don't think I do it in the book. 
Do what? If you want to be our sitter, do you remember that? Oh yeah. Please be sweet and never bitter. Help us with math and book reports. Might I add that was Lisa? And then I say, eat my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it's so brilliant. It's so, and they do. They do. There's lots of songs. It's 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 an incredible incredible episode. And another one is the. It's the quartet. It's the one about the quartet. Um, Homer's Barbershop Quartet. Yeah. And George Harrison was a guest star on that. And I think, I don't know that it's the first time, but when Dan Castellaneta starts singing like Barney, are you kidding me? He, Dan, I don't know that he would, he would never do this. He's, he's very, very Superman on the microphone, Clark Kent, not. He's, he's kind of a shy guy. He would never sing, but as Barney put him behind the microphone and he's like, Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. So those are a couple of them. And that's like laugh out loud funny. I watched that thing recently and I'm like, Oh, my, it's oh, so funny. It's absolutely and Bart perfect. Gets an F, I mentioned that one and Colonel Homer. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And Beverly D'Angelo, she and I have stayed in touch. I really love her. She wrote, uh, she wrote, no, she wrote that song, um, not Bag Me a Home or the other one. I talk about it in my book and you she do. sings it in my book. You've got to, you've got to get the book and hear Beverly sing. Amazing. Absol- absolutely. I'll, you know, I'll take all of those. I, I think big and favorite ep- episodes is, is really, really hard. Um, I, I, I like to ask it because I think people need to challenge themselves to, to keep something near the top of that list. Well, uh, Nancy, I, I want to thank you sincerely for, you know, coming on the show. Um, it, it's really great to just sit down and hear some of these stories from you, especially after listening to the book and, and getting that, you know, a little bit more, uh, today. I can't thank you enough. Sincerely. Wow. Wow. Can I do a shameless self plug? Oh, you can plug whatever you want. I was going to say, remind people where to, you know, follow you and how to listen to the book. Give me all that. Yeah. Well, for sure. For sure. Definitely buy the book. There's also, um, there's this incredible movie that we just got rated number one on Apple TV. It's called Borrego. It's not animated. It's not anything like you would imagine. It's kind of like a piece of life. It's a bit, um, anyway, it's not anything like The Simpsons. It's kind of gritty. And Lucy Hale stars in it with Nicholas Gonzalez. She's got a huge following. And I think that there is a crossover of Simpsons fans that also can, could, could enjoy this movie. So that's a little shameless self plug. Um, meanwhile, I got my day job which is The Simpsons. I love it and just couldn't be happier, I think, with being here and talking to you. And if you'll have me back, I'd love to come back. Nancy, you will be back on the podcast. Don't even don't even worry about that. <laughs> I look forward to talking about your next script or your next audio book or your, just your next book uh, or anything. I look forward to talking to you about that. So I'll, I'll definitely be hitting you up. Cool. Thank you so much. And thanks to all the fans for, for listening slash watching. Fantastic. As for all of you, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at simpsonsisgreat at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, consider leaving me a review on Apple or really anywhere that accepts reviews. Spotify accepts reviews now, so you guys can roll over there and do that. You can follow the official Instagram account at simpsonsisgreaterthan or on Twitter at simpsonsisgreat. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bard of Darkness on Instagram or Twitter and you will find me there and I'll see you all soon.
Bye, man. Nancy, that was awesome. You are a breath of fresh air. You really <laughs> are. To meet up with somebody that loves what he's doing as much as you do, this was, I was really sincere. You are amazing. I oh, loved it. And thanks thank you. so much for having me, Warren. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't get nervous really doing these anymore, Nancy. I was nervous. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, come on, you know, joking aside. So I thought it would be cool if I started recording before this actually starts, um, just to sort of, you know, loosen up, but also to sort of leave a note for myself. Um, and that note is that I'm about to interview Bart Simpson, uh, Nancy Cartwright, the all, the only person to ever voice Bart Simpson, um, up to this point. And an actual legend uh, in voice acting and just animation history in general. And I've done this podcast for a year and some change at this point. And uh, the fact that I'm already, you know, I've already been lucky enough to talk to so many of my, well, I don't know if you would call them heroes, but people I admire um, is really special and something that I do not take for granted, um, in this process. And as I sit here and wait for Nancy to join the zoom, uh, to record this interview, I just felt compelled. Uh, don't know if I'll actually leave this in, or maybe I'll put it at the end of the episode or something like that. Uh, but I just wanted to sort of take note of how I'm feeling in these last few minutes, uh, leading up to this interview. It's pretty similar to how I felt. Uh, when I was going to interview Yardley for the first time. I mean, I've felt this before, but I think that there is something particularly special about me getting to interview Bart Simpson, uh, you know, a character that was on my pajamas when I was three years old, a character that is synonymous with my young life and my adult life, uh, which I think goes a little beyond just the show in general. It's It's sort of the first character that a lot of people connect to with the show, especially people my age or young boys or just young children. Um, I think Bart is the thing that gets them and attracts them to the show in the beginning. And the person that, you know, created that character's voice that in a lot of ways lent themselves to what the character became, uh, from day one hired on the spot. Um, there's something very mind numbing and special about that. So, uh, as I prepare for this interview, I just wanted to sort of leave myself, uh, a note and, and possibly a note that will stay on the podcast. Uh, I guess we'll see if you're hearing this, then I guess you, I guess I decided to leave it on there. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are hearing this, thanks for supporting the podcast and listening and being a part of my journey that has allowed me to do this. And there is Nancy, so I'm going to start the actual episode. 